Well, hi, it's Phil Main, and welcome to another edition of A Life That's Good. This guy is a former broadcaster. He's an actor, a speaker, an MC, a husband, dad, a granddad. He is a native of Harriston, and at 76, still works at all of these things, and then uses his spare time to be a senior manager of market development for one of Ontario's largest construction firms. He's a lot of things. He's kind, he's funny, he's grateful, and I like to think he's my friend. This week, the life and times of Neil Aitchison, with a highlight on one of his great loves, live theater and Drayton Entertainment. All coming up right now on A Life That's Good. Is that better? That is better. Okay, yeah, I was on speaker. Ah. Technology, isn't it wonderful? Oh, yes, I'll tell you. I have, uh, I'm still learning, and I have a son-in-law, though, and grandchildren who can fix anything at the drop of the hat. Just, right. just click it, Grandpa. You have a problem with your phone, give it to the four-year-old, right? <laughs> exactly. They're born with an innate sense of how to work those things, and I don't get it. And no, their little fingers just swipe and click and yeah. and then say, come on, Grandma, do this, do this, Grandma. <laughs> she's afraid she's going to lose something, and they say, oh, no, that's okay, don't worry. <laughs> and you and me were just a couple of old people. Well, I'm a hell of a lot older. If I, You say you're 64 now? I am. When I was your age, I was 65. <laughs> yeah. How old are now you now, can be, I ask? I'm going to be 76 in another couple of weeks. So that's throwing me up there, but, you know, I don't think that in my head. And so, so far, so good. How do you find time to do everything? Well, it's just put it together. I'm having fun. That's the main thing. Yeah. And I figure if you have the power or the ability to make fun for others and while you're having fun yourself you should keep doing it your wife must be a very patient woman she is she is and people ask her how you spend 50 years with a guy like him and (laughs) and she says well he's out a lot (laughs) (laughs) well yeah we're 52 years married this year wow congratulations that's amazing Neil Aitchison is, uh, I mean, you're a tiny bit of a legend around here, I think, don't you think? Radio, theater, MC work. Oh, well, it's just that I'm old and and (laughs) (laughs) well-exposed. Can we talk a little bit about you? Sure, why not? Where did it start for Neil? Oh, good old Harrison, and uh, I I was, uh, I'm the middle of five kids, my father was uh, one of the nicest people you'd ever meet. He was uh, he ran a business uptown for 20-some years, and then he decided to sell that Purina feed business and egg grading station because the company wanted him to go to a big mill as opposed to the bag feed. And he thought, well, he didn't want to do that at his age, so he took a, a course online with Queen's University and he qualified as the he got his clerk treasurer's certification and he became the clerk treasurer of Minto Township hmm. and he was at that job for 22 or 3 years 
and retired in June and died in August of 1986. Oh. Oh my. But he was the kind of guy who always said, live every day like it's your last, and one of these days you'll be right. Mm-hmm. And he also used to say, if you were going to go tomorrow with the fellow who reads your eulogy, say what you want him to. And if not, then you better change your act today. Wow. And he was an, he was a model citizen, and he was the president of everything. He was a town councilor for all oh, for twenty some years. He topped the polls every year. He always said that's just because it was alphabetical order. <laughs> he was modest. He was the elder at church. He was the superintendent of the Sunday school. He was the secretary of the fair board. He was a master past grandmaster of the lodge. <laughs> he was involved in politics provincially and federally, always doing deputy returning office uh, duties. And he sang at everybody's weddings and funerals, and he emceed everything locally. And and whenever I needed an idea what to do, I just thought of or called my dad, and he, he was my hero. My mother, mind you, she was the sweetest lady and stayed at home until we were all in high school. Then she bought a business on the main street of Harriston. And she has the record of being the first woman to go to the Royal Bank in Harriston and get a loan to buy the business without her husband signing for her. Wow. Back then they said, your husband has to sign this. And she said, it's not his business, it's mine. I'm <laughs> buying it. <laughs> she was the oldest of 10 Ziegler kids. And she had she had an entrepreneurial and a fighting spirit as well. And, and uh, my mother lived to a hundred and a half. Dad died oh. at sixty-seven. Wow! And um, on the thirty-fourth Christmas, without him, I said to Mom, "You know, Dad's been gone thirty-four years now." She says, "Yes. Do you think he'll still recognize me?" Oh my! <laughs> I was a good student in public school. In high school, I started having fun. <laughs> and uh, okay. I, was, uh, I was the captain of the hockey team. I was, when uh, uh, in public school, I was the captain of the safety patrol. I was a student president. I was the commanding officer of the cadet corps. But I was a lousy student. Mm-hmm. And when I went to high school... If you failed math and science, you failed your year. And I tended to fail math and science every year. Mm -hmm. So I was in Norwell District Secondary School for many years. This is why we're friends. (laughs) And I had a guidance teacher one time ask me what I wanted to be. And I never told anybody that before, never shared that. And I said to the teacher, you know, I think... It would be fun to be a comedy actor. And he said, now, come on, smarten up. I'm, this is serious. Get, get serious. Uh-huh. And so from that day on, I just put my name on the sheet and put an X across it and handed in because I didn't really think they, want, they cared. Because my older brother went into the bank. They thought I would go into the bank. And, and I learned early on I could make the kids laugh. And it was fun to get up in front of the kids and sing a song or tell a story. 
and my first one was in grade five. I sang The Old Apple Tree and the Orchard, which was the song my dad taught us. The first three cars we had, we never had a radio, so every time on a weekend we'd go off to the beach or off visiting somebody. On the way home, Dad would sing all his car songs, we called them, and he would sing all the way home. And I learned all the words of all those songs. <laughs> and uh, some of them were from the Army, and some of them were from Sunday school, and so it was quite a mix of great uh, old tunes. And one day my sister sat him down about six months before he died and on the deck of her home, and she pulled out a little cassette recorder, and she said, Dad, sing your car songs for us. And, and he did, and so we were thrilled that we had that on tape. He was a, he was a, that's a great guy. And when I was in radio and I'd moved to Kitchener and I was on the air or I was in the office and I was invited to MC something or speak at something and I would phone him for advice and he'd say, just do this or just do that or be yourself or learn to laugh at yourself, take yourself lightly. And I still call him in my mind, even though he's been gone since 1986. So I want to, I have so many things to talk to you about. You, um, so how many years did you spend in radio? 24 and a half. Oh, that many. KKW and CFCA, and then the bottom fell out when Chum bought it did sales the entire 24 and a half years. As a student, I went in and worked in the newsroom. I was a newsreader and a reporter. And my first job was out of college. I was running around doing stand-up in front of bank robberies or car accidents for Mm. the KCO. And then when Chum bought it and fired everybody, they called it restructuring. Mm -hmm. We called it firing. I had to change the structure of the sales and the commissions and the expenses. And and I said to my wife, I'll be next. So I stayed until they came and had, they had a meeting one morning. She said, I'm, we have to talk about our parting of the ways. Oh, I said, where are you going? <laughs> you just got here. <laughs> anyway, I just didn't make it easy for them. And, and it took six months of legal discussion, but I got my two years severance. How was a guy like you not on the air, though? Is it just the well, money? Well, that was next question. Uh, the manager of Chime phoned me. Oh, by the way, right away at, upon being fired, I had a, an agent in Toronto saw me at a thing in, in Toronto, and she, she came up and asked if she could represent me. It was called Speaker Spotlight. And I said, doing what? She said, well, people, I could, I could hire you. I could send you out to speak. Oh, I said, that might be good because I'm out of radio right now. I didn't know what I was going to do. And it was three years between them and Rogers. And so I was earning my living strictly on speaking. It was just dumb luck. And then one day I got a call from Wolfgang von Reisfeld. He was the boss at Chime and 570. And he said, I want to have a chat with you about some work. Oh, I said, okay. So we had a clandestine meeting at a restaurant somewhere. And uh, we started chatting. He said, we're going to flip our AM from from country to news talk. 
and I want to talk to you about that. So I kept asking questions about budget and and uh, sales staff and all. The, and he said, are you thinking I'm talking to you about sales? I said, yes. That's all I've done. All the, uh, all the public speaking and the on-the-air stuff was always somewhere else or on the side or commercial work. But my main life was sales and sales management. And he said, no, I'm talking about on-air. He said, everywhere I go, you were the guest speaker or the MC." And I kept thinking, why doesn't that company put him on the air? And that's what I want you to do. I want you to launch our new station. So he gave me the afternoon drive show, and he hired Jeff Hutchison away from CKCO to do the morning show. And he said, the two of you are going to launch us. And so he sent us to Cincinnati to a company that has five or six stations and three or four of them are talk, and we were taught how to host a talk show in a week. And we came home and we launched the station, and I had a ball. And I learned then from being dumped from one station, make sure you get a decent contract. So my contract read that as long as I got the traffic and weather together on the air, the rest of the content was mine. Nice. And it was fabulous, and I had a terrific pair who worked with the operator and the traffic lady, and I asked that they both come into the studio from another window. They were peeking through. I want them in the studio with me. Both had microphones, and I would introduce them as Rick and Sherry. Rick was my operator. Sherry was my traffic lady. You could hear her clicking away on the keyboard coming update with the traffic but in the meantime when I talked or told stories or whatever they laughed or they reacted and they responded and they interacted and that's what I needed was a live audience because a lot of radio guys sit in the studio with it's kind of the sanctity and the safety of the womb and there's nobody there and right. I needed faces and reaction and I get so that. they put them in with me and it was great it's like you and Scotty used to have great chemistry i remember listening on on occasion and so that went for three years almost and oh it was fun it was great fun i had a ball people loved it people phoned in just to tell us how much they had fun anyway there was a panel of five people at rogers three of them agreed with the consultant and two disagreed they said we're going to end our relationship i said okay Pay me out for the full three years because that's my contract. I'll be gone. Anyway, as a result of that, that was when we were launching Drayton too, and I'm a founding member of the board of Drayton. And I had Alex on regularly and uh, talking about what's going on in theater. And when Chime ended my relationship, then uh, Alex said, I want you to resign as a board member and come on staff as director of marketing and development because we were growing substantially then from one to seven theaters. How did the whole thing with Alex Mustakis begin? Was it just you reaching out to have him on your show? No, no. He and I were friends years before that. He he was a local actor, a performer right out of Eastwood High School. He's 12 years younger than me. And he was big with the Gilbert and Sullivan Society, the KW musical productions. And one day I got a call out of the blue. Mary Smith, who was the president of KWMP, phoned and asked if I'd come and, and be in a play. And I said, what are you doing? She said, we're doing Kiss Me, Kate. 
and there's a part for the Texan fiance to Miss Lily Vanessa. He's loud, he wears a hat, he's a big guy. And I thought you'd be great for that. I've never been in a play in my, except grade school. And uh, I said, oh yeah, that sounds like fun. And it's interesting, I've always been cast as a loud guy with a hat ever since. <laughs> but uh, Alex was on in that sh- same show with Terry Doyle as the bumbling mm. crooks. They were the, the comedy team. And I was Harrison Howell, just a, a bit part in and out with my fiance trying to keep her happy. And I had a Texas accent. I phoned a friend at KOVL in Dallas I'd met through my radio days, and I said, I have to talk like a Texan, quick. So he said, well, wherever there's a vowel, just add two more. (laughs) (laughs) I became a Texan. Alan Lund was the director, and Alan said, I love that accent. I said, what what accent? And he laughed, and I, I made some silly moves. And Alex came to me two or three times, and he said, where'd you get that move? I said, I just did it. He said, that was funny. It wasn't long after that, he graduated from Laurier and went to, he got his business degree to satisfy his father, who was a Greek immigrant, and said, you have to get a business degree. So he went to Laurier and graduated with his business degree. And then he went to England to get his master's degree in theater arts, doing what he wanted to do. And he corresponded with me the old-fashioned way with pen and paper the whole time he was away. We had become friends then, and oh, and in the meantime, he had cast me several times from that first show on. I was I was the head jailer, I was the sergeant of police, I was the lovable vicar in all these Gilbert and Sullivan productions, and I was Big Julie and Guys and Dolls, and I had always had a role with a character character comedy type roles. Alex cast me in so many things. So when he went away to England, he wrote back and he said, I'd like to uh, still perform and direct, but I'd like to produce and have my own space. And he said, and he said I heard there's a little theater in Drayton. Do you know where, where that is or what it is? He'd never heard of it, but someone, someone, some told him about a theater that had been saved from the wrecking ball by the local town council. And I said, oh, yeah, sure, I know Drayton, I know them all. They we all went to the same high school together in Norwell. It's only 15 minutes from Harriston. So when he came home, I took him up to Drayton to a council meeting, and I said, give this guy your theater. You're only using it one or two weeks a year, and it sits empty. And I said, he'll put your town on the, your village on the map. We'll take care of the inside, you take care of the outside. We had a deal, and then John Green, who was the Reeves, said, okay, we'll do this. You agree to come and sit on the board? I said, sure, I'll sit on the board. So we made up a board, and, and Alex started as a single employee, and all the rest was volunteers. I've always been involved or connected one way or another. Uh, I quit Drayton after six or seven years because Malua Blamey came along and offered me a job at double the money, no commute, and a car allowance. So I thought, well, I'm running out of years. I better take it. And so I was, I'm 16 years with them now. But Alex, the minute I resigned as a, as a staff member, he asked me to go back on the board and, and to keep my connections. And so 
Malua Blamey did the renovations in St. Jacobs. Malua Blamey built the new theater in Cambridge. Malua Blamey did all the renovations in Grand Bend. Because you knew a guy. In King's Wharf, yeah. And, you know, our contribution wasn't cash. Again, it was we, we took care of the pre-construction costs and sponsorships and tickets and did everything we could to make this not-for-profit work. So Drayton has been operating how many years now? 33. Wow. And we'll do over a quarter million tickets this year uh, after COVID. That was a kind of a break, too, because of COVID. We had to lay off all kinds of people. We had to cancel contracts for artists, musicians. But we kept as many as we could, and that's when we renovated a factory in Waterloo and built the magnificent uh, Youth Academy, as well as we went around to every one of our theaters and did things that needed done, painting, cleaning up, fixing, new doors, new whatever, and flush toilets and turn lights on until the people came back. Mm-hmm. And they came back the first day after COVID. We were into a brand new ticketing system, too, computerized ticketing system, both online and in person. Staff were still learning it. But we launched, and the first day tickets went on sale with $350,000 in sales. (laughs) In all these years, you've attracted a lot of big names in in theater and done some spectacular shows. If you had to pick some favorite shows from over the years, could you do it? I love live theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I go out and say, oh, that was so enriching where we all kind of laugh and breathe and, and sigh together. It's a, it's a communal experience when everybody in a room, the lights go down and everybody becomes as one. And uh, so there are shows that I was in, like all those fun memories, Sorry I'm Canadian, one, two. I've done eight different shows as that Mountie. Right at the very early, I remember Vaudeville. It was Alan Lund produced it, and Alex and the Mantini sisters and a bunch of other great performers were all in it together. They'd all perform for Alan down at Charlottetown, and Alex knew all of them. And that was something to see that place opened with that with that show. Let's talk about this season at Drayton. My wife and I went and saw Beautiful, the Carol oh, King musical, and when they started into those first chords of Will You Love Me Tomorrow, I teared up. I, I, every I, hair on my arm stood up. I know, and isn't that amazing when that uh, misty-eyed magic happens? Mm-hmm. And you're, like your hair ooh, stands on your neck. And, you know, during that show, we saw that on Broadway with... Camilla Kennedy as the lead. She's one of Drayton's performers. She was the lead on Broadway. And Alex says, we got to do that short. We've got to do that. But every time you go to it and you come out or at intermission even, you hear people say, I didn't know she wrote that many songs. Same. <laughs> well, even being in radio, you and I, I don't know about you, but uh, even me, I, I went, oh, she wrote that too? Holy. Yeah. 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 And that's, we all were like that. And it made such, it was so comforting to see that show and sit, sitting at her piano and, and the, the characters in the show were all terrific. It was just a fabulous experience. Alex has got Stratford actors, he's got Hollywood performers here, three or four of them. Norm 
Yes. I don't remember them all. And we had lots of Broadway performers. And they work wherever there's work. So one day they're on Broadway, and the next month they're in Drayton. Fiddler on the Roof will happen later in the year. Uh, Right now at the King's Wharf Theater, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat is on. Doing so well, too. We were at the opening for that, and it was fun. Uh, My granddaughter was 10 years old when she was in it as one of the kids' cars. Now she's 20, and she was there Mm -hmm. to see it again, and she still remembers every word. But isn't it amazing how kids are also affected and that's another thing we're doing is we're trying to build the next generation of theater goers and you got to have kids and with kids come parents and grandparents Amen. and so my da- my granddaughter was in joseph she was in annie and she was in the wizard of oz where we had little kids playing munchkins or, or orphans yeah and you know that's character building and it's engaging and it's unifying families and the next generation. I can vouch for some of that uh, that you were mentioning. My daughter, uh, this is going back a few years now, but she was uh, in High School Musical when you did it. Uh, And that was a lot of driving for mom and dad, but uh, I don't regret a second of it because it was such a great experience for her. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we've done the High School Musicals, we've done Legally Blonde, and we've done now Kinky Boots. And uh, the prom, we're trying to be all-inclusive. And you know what? They're going over so well. And people are learning about acceptance and tolerance and inclusion. And David Conley is a guy you have to meet and hear his story. David is the uh, associate artistic director now to Alex. Because as a board, we've been chasing Alex for years. What happens if you get by a bus? you got to have a team. Mm-hmm. So he has an amazing team in place. David is artistic. Stephen Karcher is executive director, which is second in command. And Stephen is bright. He worked for me when I was there. And I said to Alex, don't ever, ever lose him. He's the most articulate, passionate. He's been to every Drayton production since he was a kid. He started as an usher living in Gownstown in our first year. He was a little kid with a white shirt and the black pants, and now he's running the place. But uh, David is the first double amputee to perform on Broadway, and now he's uh, the managing director, or whatever they call him, for this school, the uh, Youth Academy. And we've got kids, and we got old people from Guelph called, said, isn't there anything there for seniors? And he said, why not? So now our Youth Academy is from youth from 8 to 80. And the afternoons when the kids aren't there in school, we're selling it out to seniors and they're coming. And we're not trying to create new professional performers necessarily. We're creating people who have had the experience of performing, interacting. Some of them work backstage, some of them work on set, some of them work on directing, and some of them are performers, singers, dancers, storytellers, whatever. And we've got kids in wheelchairs, we've got Down syndrome kids, we've got black kids and white kids and, and Indian kids, and they're all playing together like they belong. All the humans in one big sandbox the way it should be. Yeah, exactly. And uh, David, no one can be more articulate about it. And he's a spokesman now for War Amps. He's a spokesman for the Shriners Hospital in Montreal, where he lived the first four years of his life with no legs. And uh, his mother, he, you ought to hear his story. He does, a, he does a stand-up with a little PowerPoint story. And he's a guest speaker. 
I recommend them to everybody when they can't get me. <laughs> or I'm, so I've already been there, and they say, where else can, can you find us another speaker? I said, yeah, I get David. And uh, now he's on, he just was written up in the New York Times because Broadway is doing a whole thing on inclusivity and, uh, and people who are disabled performers. And he was written up as the first guy. When he danced an audition on Broadway, he didn't tell them he had amputated legs. And the director kept saying, I love watching you. There's something about you. You dance differently. The way you move your feet, I just love it. And I'm going to hire you. And that's when David pulled up his pant legs and showed him two prosthetics. Well, now, hey, before we turn you loose today, Neil Aitchison, we should uh, maybe talk about your show, Shaboom, Life Could Be a Dream. It's not really my show. It's a bit part. And it was written as a voiceover, offstage radio announcer. Alex phoned and said, there's this bit on Shaboom. And I said, oh, heck, I could record that. And he said, no, but I want to bring him on stage and add a few more bits. And so David Rogers is directing it, and he said, yes, he he wants the wardrobe to make me look like Rod Roddy, (laughs) who was the announcer on The Price is Right. Uh So I don't know if you've seen the promo piece on it. It's out online now. I have, actually. The hair is magnificent. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my original color, and it makes me look younger. The wig lady, they they hired a wig lady to make me this rug, and uh, just fits so beautiful and looks so real I couldn't get over I laughed and they they made a red sparkly jacket and so I've been working with David Rogers on the phone late, lately because rehearsals are starting and it's a great story these four young guys get together in a quartet Denny Eugene Wally and Duke and they're gonna try and put a competition together to uh, win a recording contract on a radio station, WOPR, Whopper Radio. And, uh, and back then, that was before American Idol and, you know, America's Got Talent, so radio stations did it. And Denny was uh, five years out of school, living with his mother, and his dream was always to put a team together, his dream and he had a duo, then he had a trio, and finally he put a quartet together featuring Eugene, his best friend, and co-conspirator, if you will. And Eugene works for his dad down at the sweet shop. And then there's Wally, who's a, a checkout boy at the Piggly Wiggly, and the son of a preacher, who's, uh, he becomes the heart and soul. And Wally wants to have a shot at a girl who's, you got to have a girl part in the thing. And Duke is the fourth guy, and he's from the other side of the tracks. But he's amazingly handsome. And he and Wally end up fighting over the girl. And uh, and so the girl is a lady named Lois, and she helps shape the boys into a future because she works for her dad, Big Earl, at Earl's Big Stuff Auto, and she has a say in who, who they will support, and she became their sponsor. So this ties it all together. And so there's the story, and they sing 25 different songs, songs you and I will recognize every one of them, and you'll be inclined to want to sing along with them. 
They call it a jukebox musical for that reason, right? Yep. And so anyway, the radio guy, instead of just announcing his little half a dozen bits, then they're going to wheel him out on a revolve with a radio board and a microphone. And his engineer won't be there that day, so he's trying to do his operating, and he screws up, and he hits the wrong buttons and the wrong sound effects, and and he tells a story or two about whatever happens to be in the script. So I'm writing up some bits with David, and I'll sit with him, and and it'll be great. I'm I'm old, so if I memorize, that's fine. If I ad lib. <laughs> <laughs> that happens on occasion. Uh-huh. Alex I, I, has caught me at living before in other shows, and he'd come see me after the show, and he'd always say, that was a good show, but feel free to do it like we rehearsed it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So it runs then in the uh, Drayton Festival Theater August 16th to September 3rd? Yeah, it runs for three full weeks, 16th of August through Labor Day weekend. Well, we feel very fortunate that you were able to make some time for us today, because I know that in spite of the fact that you're kicked back and trying to be at the cottage and all the other things, you're still a very busy guy. So thanks for I spending am, some time with us. it's fun, you know, Phil. I wouldn't want to make a disparaging remark either when I, before I finish about Wingham's and Stratford's, and that's where a lot of the greatest announcers came from, like you and Lloyd Robertson and various <laughs> others. You chose to stay, and I think that's terrific. You've got a community and a, you know, your family and your involvement in everything. I don't feel 76, right. but I am. And my knees and arms and everything still works. I'm overweight and out of shape and haven't been very athletic, and I've outlived a lot of my friends already. Mm. But I think it's because, well, obviously I have some of my mother's genes who lived to 100, but uh, I think it's because I'm happy at doing something, and I've always got something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, listen, break a leg with this show, and um, yeah, yeah, we're going to try to come and see it for sure, and then uh, if we do, I'll let you know ahead of time, and maybe we can have a cold one. You can meet my new wife. I look forward to meeting your new bride. Yeah, and she will look forward to meeting you, too, I'm sure. (laughs) Thank you. That's really good to speak with you. Hey, before we go this week, I want to take a moment just to say thank you for listening. Special thanks to my son, Lion, at Lion X Productions for the theme music. I kind of love it, if I'm honest. He's a super talented dude in all things media, websites, social, video, film, and yes, music, all the things. Connect with him at lionx.org. It's L-Y-O-N-X dot org. Also, we try to support our chats every week with a photo blog to give you just a little bit more of a visual on the things we're discussing. And we like taking pictures. You can find that at our radio station page. It's cool945.ca cool945.ca to find the A Life That's Good photo page. Click on On Air. Then in the menu that drops down, click my name, Phil Main, and that will take you to a library where you can choose the pictures that you want to look at. Oh, and one more thing before I take off this week, and I don't know why it's hard to ask this, but if there's anything here that you like, anything at all, we would love your help making this new adventure work. If you would please follow or subscribe to our podcast, and you can do that by going to the main show page, 
just hit the plus sign or click follow. That would mean so much to us. While you're here, feel free to give us a rating or a review or a suggestion. We would also love it if you would share an episode that you like with a friend. This project and you, it means a lot to us, and we want to celebrate a life that's good in Midwestern Ontario. We can't imagine doing that without you. Thanks again so much for being here.